Welcome, it's Jeremy Allen Gould. I'm coming to you today to confirm between God and of man that in fact, the rumors that you have all heard are true. I started this podcast because I freaking love music. I was privileged enough to book amazing artists and bands in the past, and I was lucky enough to stay in touch with many of them to this day. This is a place to hear their stories. Thank you so much for riding along on this journey, and I hope you enjoy what you hear. With that said, the rumors are definitely true. Welcome back. This is the Rumors Are True podcast. Today I welcome my good friend Jeremy Smith. Jeremy plays bass for John Mark McMillan, Mac Brock, as well as Thousand Dollar Movie, and formerly of Public Radio. Jeremy and I talk about him growing up, all the records he's played on, and coming to his own and in the recording process on some of these amazing John Mark records, as well as the new Thousand Dollar Movie EP. Um, out on his label, four finger records so do me a favor check it out it's amazing you'll dig it thanks guys hope you enjoy this latest episode with jeremy smith jeremy what's up dude thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah man i was uh stoked to, stoked to be aboard bro how you been i've been, been great man yeah it's been been a busy few weeks um i don't I don't have any shows this week, so I, I'm not having to cram any music. So it, even good. though I'm still working on stuff every day, it, it kind of feels like a vacation week. <laughs> I bet. I bet. What have you been up to lately other than these shows? You know, they just fly out dates for John Mark or? Yeah. And um, I had someone, Mac Brock. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I go out with him occasionally, which is always a good time. We're good friends. and um, But with him, he doesn't like to rehearse, um, which I don't either, but, you know, it has its pros sure. <laughs> um, uh, but so you know we had like a two-hour set and no rehearsal in la oh. and so like uh you know i i love it because it's like one less day of meeting up and triangulating yeah. schedules but you know you got to show up locked and loaded ready to walk on stage and play <laughs> so, oh my gosh when does luke, does when luke anderson play with him um, he he kind of has a rotating cast. Oh, okay. And Luke's one of them. So Luke did this last one, which was oh, okay. I haven't got to play with him in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just have you have to cram so much to be ready, you know. When I can't when imagine we play occasionally. Um, 
but I also kind of like the challenge of it. And sure. And it says a lot to me too. Like, okay, well, he trusts that I can pull this off. That's why. Absolutely. Has, you know. Uh, but yeah, all that being said, it was it was a good time. But I had a John Mark one off before that, and we haven't played since October. So it's kind of if I haven't played a song in 24 hours, it's like mm. I've played it before. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's awesome, though, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, how's family life going, man? Oh, it's going good, man. This is uh, got Hank right here, uh, hanging out with me. If you hear any nice. assorted jingle jangling, I think I got all his squeaky balls up, so there should be. Any- <laughs> <laughs> he likes to find the loudest toy every time I'm doing a podcast. Of course he does. Uh, course he does. <laughs> but yeah, uh, doing good, man. Other than that, um, it's uh, been been off the road since October, so yeah, good family time, good time with all the homies. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, going to hang out with Hank a bunch, which is all I want to do. Yeah, man. Sweet, dude. So I want to go back to kind of when you and I met. Um, I think it was probably 2015, 2014 maybe. I don't even really remember. but It was a uh, yeah, early one. Yeah, we met, I think, at a John Mark show in Jacksonville. And then I came up to Charlotte with Jonathan Berlin to help with the Live at the Night uh, yeah. live recording up there. And so we got to bro down quite a bit there and every time you've come through we've hung and it's been awesome and you're amazing and i love hanging with you guys and yeah i know it's always always get stuck uh to do jacksonville it's like oh we're gonna hang out with gold <laughs> every time i see pinball machines now you literally pop in my mind immediately <laughs> anywhere i go i'm like jeremy would like that pinball machine <laughs> i would you're right oh <laughs> uh, anyway so jeremy yeah, why don't... hill uh then theater we met Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was. I, I thought you'd stop talking. Um, okay. yeah, Murray Hill Theater for sure. It was in Jacksonville, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I think it was like their anniversary show. I think. Oh yes. Yep, that was right. I yeah. feel like Ascend the Hill played too, and somebody else. I don't remember. I those guys who are awesome. Dude, yeah. amazing guys. Yeah, amazing. we've had a few little runs with them since, and it's always a blast. They're really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. That's a good time. <laughs> Dude. It's funny, I make the joke about it uh, from the stage there sometimes, but most uh, similar sized venues, the graffiti is all like, you know, wieners and profanity. <laughs> and, um, the, the, the green room at Murray Hill Theater is all like so encouraging. And I like- know. I was going to say, every time I've, I've went there since I was a kid, I'm like, dude, like anytime I go there, it's like cheesy, like cheesy, like uplifting things or like Christian rock yeah, uh, you know, band stickers and stuff and whatnot, but it's cool because it's like, you know, pseudo punk rock, but it really it isn't at all. Right, sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that place is awesome. It I is just went, great. It's, yeah, great room. Uh, I just went and saw um, this band uh, called World Gone Cold there the other day, and it's like guys from POD and um, Demon Hunter. It was nice. it was awesome actually. I'm not really. You know, like I, I just know a little bit of their music, but I just wanted to hang with Trey from POD. <laughs> so, yeah, <right. laughs> that's all any of us ever want. I know, I know, right? That's like, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, dude, let's um talk about you growing up, man. Tell me kind of how uh, growing up was for you, and how music kind of came into your life, and and yeah. maybe some bands and records that kind of influenced you. Totally. Um... So I grew up in Hartsville, South Carolina, which is about an hour outside of Charlotte. Um, we grew up, um, and we were in a house in a trailer park. Uh, my mom always wants me to make sure I point that out because I said I grew up in a trailer park before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, we were surrounded by a trailer park. 
But, uh, you know, nothing against trailer parks, but if you're from the South, you know, I, I painted a good picture for you, you know? Yes. You know? yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, uh, it was a cool little town, though. It's gotten way cooler um, in recent years, but it wasn't the worst place to grow up. I had some cool friends, but we got sent to a Christian school when we were uh, for junior high, me and my older brother. Um, and I think my parents did it to keep us out of trouble, but all the kids who went to this Christian school got kicked out of other schools. Uh, <laughs> and so it was kind of like all the bad kids <laughs> got kicked out of public school. And, uh, so that was, uh, it sucked and I hated it. But the good thing about it is a lot of those kids skateboarded and were into punk rock. It's great. So when I was 12, I was started getting to skating and I met, um, met some cats with the cool older brothers that would let us borrow CDs. And, um, so I immediately was starting to get into, and we we're kind of latchkey kids sometimes too. So I was watching MTV a lot, even though I wasn't supposed to. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I grew up in the nineties. So I was in a Nirvana and Pearl jam, um, and all that. But then, uh, heard green day. Uh, I remember exactly hearing green day for the first time and the bass tone on that record. Mm. Like, I asked my friend, like, what instrument is that making that sound? And he's like, I think that's a bass. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a bass player, and you'll be a guitar player, and we're going to start a band. <laughs> and, and so I got a bass for uh, – well, so that was kind of got it in us. But then at the same time, we were like – the idea of starting a band was so – you know, we didn't know how to do that. Or like, sure. how do you write lyrics? How do you, like, get famous and be on MTV? Um, but then we started getting into more, like, punk rock proper, and – um, I got to hear The Descendants and their song, I Like Food, which is a 16-second song about food, and it's, like, fast as crap. And that's when I realized, like, oh, you can write a song about anything. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have to be this poetry like Nirvana or Pearl Jam or, like, you know, even Green Day at the time, you know, their stuff wasn't always so literal. Like, sure. you could really write a song. Like, The Descendants had a song that I'm called My Dad Sucks, and it was about how they didn't like their dad, you know? <laughs> Okay, so just write a song about anything you want. And so I got a bass for Christmas that year, and we started a band called the Tidy Whities. Oh. <laughs> and it was as pop punk as you would imagine based on the name of it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the Descendants and the Minutemen and the Ramones um, early on were, like, really big bands for me just to, like. Absolutely. They all kind of gave you permission, you know, uh, to do stuff. You know, the, yep. the the legend goes every city the Ramones played in a band started the next day, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you see it, and you, like, you think, oh, I could do that. You, you can't as well as them, you know? <laughs> but um, it, I think it just gives her, it gives you, like, permission to try stuff. And, uh, sure. So, sure. But also, all those bands are kind of fun and cool and uh, creative. So, the, But, you know, I was also, I was really into, like, all the 90s skate punk going on, too, like, no effects and... Um, Pennywise, mm -hmm. uh, Bad Religion, uh, any band on Epitaph Records or Fat Records, I would buy it pretty much. That's awesome. Yeah, any kind of do catch, do catch, do catch, do catch, you know. <laughs> that was my jam. Um, and about at age like 15, I got to see um, this band called The Deadlines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tooth and Nail Band, yeah. Yeah, I've seen them. Oh, uh, dude, it was awesome. And they were all about like the horror punk thing. Yeah. And I had kind of knew of the misfits because the logo but i didn't know i'm like their music super well and uh we hung out with those guys and they put on the best show there was like five people there <laughs> um 
And uh, but after that, we got like they were like, "Oh, if you like us, you should check out the Misfits." We're like, "Okay." <laughs> so I, I I get Collection One by the Misfits, and it like changed my mind. Um, but yeah, because it was still like it was still fun, but it was like darker and heavier. That so I got really into like any Danzig related project and started getting into a little metal, but it's still like hardcore and punk was kind of the thing for me, but I love the spooky stuff and I still do. You know? Yeah. Um, I send, I send my mom the song Danzig song mother every mother's day. And she's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that song. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, sir. I started a band called the coffins. Once we got into the horror thing. Oh. Um, and we kind of did that. I wish it was easier to record back then because it just it, it felt unattainable because none of us knew how to do it. Sure. Uh, so I don't have a lot of remnants from it. But um, uh, I moved to Charlotte when I was 18. Um, and so with the hope of joining a band. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was those were all my high school things. So I was kind of growing up. I was I didn't play any sports, nothing extracurricular. Um I, it was just skateboard and like band practice every day. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> That's really cool, dude. Yeah. Um, is that kind of what led to public radio or is that, is that kind of what materialized after you moved to Charlotte? Yeah. So, um, I moved to Charlotte and end up, um, in a house with like some random guys through this like rental thing. And one of the guys ended up being Luke Hill. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. And, uh, and the other two guys in the house were uh, very, very strange birds. And uh, it made me and Luke bond even more. And also, it was like, oh, you play drums? I play bass. Um, yeah, yeah. So we met, like, my first day in Charlotte. And um, he, it, you know, eventually when Public Radio starts, he's the drummer. So the foundation for that band was kind of starting right away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we would jam a little bit. So we went to um, the... Um, we went to this ministry school um, together and bands like they would have like music every day. So it was really cool. And that was one of the main reasons I went there was to meet other musicians. And and it seemed really cool at the time. And a lot of creative people were going there. Um, so my first day there, I meet John Mark and, um, and then lots of other, like they would bring in all these cool musicians to like uh, do their songs. And so I was just getting to meet a lot of really, Cool cats, but I was getting to play with all these great musicians, and um, yeah. I, mean, I barely knew a major scale, but everybody needs a bass player, so I was kind of like learning on the job a lot, which was cool. That's <laughs> awesome, actually. Um, yeah, so me and Luke were kind of like best friends. We were best men in each other's weddings, and um, you know, uh, so if, uh, not too long after that, um, he's in a band called Paper Tongues, and they go on tour. Yeah. I go as their merch guy, um, and. I was out for a month with them. I got home for a week and then I went out for a month with John Mark on his very first tour. Um, but I was getting to play bass on that one. Um, so awesome. two months I got to circle the country twice, basically, <laughs> which is who, really who cool. I was playing in that uh, when you guys went out um, with uh, John Mark. It was Jordan Hardy on drums. Oh, yeah. And, I know Jordan. Yeah. And uh, Seth Worley on guitar. They were both like like 18, probably at the oh, time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they were little babies. And um and then it was me on bass and Mark Mathis, um, singer-songwriter who would be in public radio. Um, he went out, too, and their whole thing was to, like, kind of share a band, you know? And um, 
because they grew up together. And I don't think <laughs> they'll mind me saying this because they're homies again. But um, on that tour, they were just kind of like button heads a lot. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so boys were always in the back like, Ooh, you know. <laughs> um, but I think they had this plan to like, oh, we'll, we'll share a band and we'll tour and it'll be easier because we'll just have one band and we can trade off songs or sure whatever. And I, it was really cool tour because I was a big fan of both of their music. They both put out like an early record each. Um, and John Mark had just written How He Loves. Um, and uh, Mark had some songs that were getting some momentum too. So it was really cool. But by the end of it, it was very obvious that they were not going to be doing the split mm. band ever again so it's really funny i get a, i get home and i get a call from mark and he's like hey man you want to start a band with me and i was like yeah that'd be cool uh but i was confused because in my head i thought like oh i thought we we're already doing this band thing you know uh and he's like okay cool and a really short talk and then not five minutes later john mark calls me and he's like hey man do you want to start a band with me oh my uh, well, Mark called me. He's like, "Oh, Mark already called you." Okay, never mind. Oh, <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what?" Because uh, I was totally because I'm only like 21. I didn't know what was going on either. Um, I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize I need I had to pick." Oh. <laughs> but um, you know, I think at the time Mark wanted to do like a band with a band name and tour and like write songs together, and um, and. I love, you know, like I said, I was a big fan of John Mark, so I loved him too, but it seemed like, like, I was happy with how it played out. It would seem like cool. And, um, uh, so we, uh, we started calling it public radio. That was 2006 and we started hitting it pretty hard, um, for, and the next, uh, like most of my twenties <laughs> was in that nice. band. Yeah, that's cool. Did you guys get to open for one, anyone pretty big, or uh, like what kind of? Did you get any traction with any labels at all? Yeah, we did a lot of. So we would we would do stuff with John Mark a lot, which was fun. Um, like in the Charlotte scene. Um, so we were really involved in the local scene. Um, we went out to Germany and did a record out there for a month, which was really cool. That's uh, awesome. And then the all the major labels were kind of sniffing around Charlotte around the time because um, Paper Tongues just got a major label. Yeah. And so we were going out to LA probably like five or six times to showcase for majors. And, um, and it was always like the punk rocker in me is just like, meh, the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but it was really cool. We had some cool stories out of it. And, um, but we, we, we never, I wouldn't say we ever got open for anybody too big that would, other than like some cool bands that would come through that we liked. Um, but yeah, we kind of just did our, we booked our own tours a lot, but, yeah. um, you know, hit it really hard. I think, uh, I mean, in Charlotte, we got open for Blind Melon one time. That was cool. Oh, that's pretty badass. <laughs> but it was like a reunion thing, you know. Oh, <laughs> so it wasn't that, yeah, obviously the singer wasn't there. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we just kind of hit it hard. And, uh, um, but our, our local shows are getting really big, which is cool. Um, that's awesome. But, you know, then it started to, so yeah, that was most of my 20s. And then it started to fizzle out and slow down. And, um, Around that time, um, my buddy Lance was playing bass for John Mark, and he texted me and was like, yeah, man, I'm just, uh, uh, I talked to John Mark, I'm not going to tour anymore, I just want to be home with my family more. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. And so I immediately texted John Mark and said, yo, let me play bass. <laughs> nice. And he said, okay. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so that's how I'm incredible uh, with him after... 
I guess six or seven years. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's cool though. It came a little full circle, somewhat. You know, yeah, starting right. out. And... I, you know, um, or, or you know, we we would hang out a decent amount, and um, I think leading up to that, we had started to hang out a little more. So it kind of was like all worked out well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about um, since you obviously joined John John Mark's band, um, let's talk about the Borderland record that you played yeah. on. Amazing record! I love that record a lot. I mean, I love all his records to be honest, but you know that one's a phenomenal record. I kind of want to know your thoughts on maybe on the recording how it, how it went for you, and maybe just overall your thoughts on on that record. Yeah, it was um, it was a really cool time to jump on board with him because um, he had just gotten like kind of got out of his label and his management stuff um, after economy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like, you know, economy is a fan favorite record, but I think because it didn't have like a how he loves on it, mm-hmm. um, like how he loves 2.0, which is what the labels want. <laughs> probably. You know? I think some people would kind of like maybe even written them off a little bit. Um, even though like economy is probably one of his best records still, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of my faves. Um, I think like so like you know he gets all this all this stuff but then he decides like he's gonna start his own label so he actually did a Kickstarter for Borderland um, you know and uh, he got three times the money he wanted originally and uh, it was a big success and I think the next day he had like ten missed calls from different labels that were oh wow they're immediately all like oh that could have been our money you know because they're Dang. um so. I think it was a really cool time because it was like, um, you know, very DIY. Like he really b- knew it was going to be a good record. And he really believed in the song. So like he kind of bet, he really bet on himself. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, so, yeah, it was, so it was cool going in. It was kind of like, we can do whatever we want because we don't have some label breathing on our neck. We don't, no one's expecting anything from this album. So I think going in with that kind of freedom for it was like really fun. It was really cool uh time to be involved and um very very grateful um so i got to play on um you know a lot of the records kind of like sub bass are um uh like maybe low end is from somewhere else but um we started jamming and he had just written future past and borderland and hadn't fleshed them out yet so um I got to kind of like sit with Borderland and come up with some ideas for it. And we had one practice and he dug what I did. So I think he was still maybe, you know, at the time, no one used me to play on their records. Hmm. Uh, I was like a live guy because I have like, oh, you got good energy. You're just, you're the stage guy. (laughs) You're the court jester. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) But, you know, it's until someone gives you a shot to play on a record. You don't have, yeah. You're not going to get comfortable in the studio until you do it a lot. And, so I played on my band stuff, but I hadn't done like any bigger albums at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and so I think even with John Mark, maybe he wasn't thinking like, you know, Lance that had played before me was kind of working some of the bass on it already. And I don't think he was thinking like, Oh, um, I think he was probably just thinking I'll be the live guy, you know? Yeah. I, he, he was stoked on what I came up with for Berlin and gave me a shot to record on it. And, um, which is very thankful for. And I thought it turned Absolutely. out. Really cool. And um, I'm really stoked on like the baseline for it. And, um, and then I got to lay down some other kind of just simple yeah. stuff on some of them. Um, but that was kind of the standout one for me. Um, 
but then I, I would go hang out someone they were just doing some sessions and it was like just so cool you know like put you know just giving themselves little limitations like what if we didn't use any symbols you know yeah. for the whole record unless we need them at the very end you know mm-hmm. and so it kind of made the drums and the bass have different kind of roles without uh everything going on i don't know it's really interesting so it was a really it was a really cool time of my life because like i was really bummed with like bands ending and i get to jump in like this really kind of special time in john mark's yeah. career absolutely um absolutely yeah it was really uh it's it was a really exciting time for me because about two weeks after i sent him that text we are or maybe a month we did a two-week tour up to toronto and back oh nice so I had like a month to like get all of his songs down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like there a rock montage, you know. That's awesome. Uh, Did you wind up at, from like you were mentioning that you hadn't been given the opportunity to play bass? Was that kind of the beginning? So from there on out, that's kind of is that kind of the way it is still? Or do you are you playing on each record? No, no, no. So I do uh, I do a lot of recording now. And oh, and that's I, awesome. You know, that, I think it's the thing is like some people just you, you know. I'm always grateful for anybody that gives somebody a shot, you know? Totally. Always, I always go to bat for people because of that. I'm like, no, 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 like, trust me, this guy's going to be really great in the studio. He's got cool ideas. I'm jamming with him. Um, because, like, I needed somebody to do that for me, and thankfully, John was like, okay, well, he's got this one down live. He can, yeah. like, lay it down. And, um, you know, and now he, like, brings me in for everything. It's amazing. You know, because of that, we get, like, you know, I, I do a lot of just recording at the house. I've got to play on you know, uh, a ton of, a ton of really cool records, like uh, really stoked on it. I, I still prefer to be the live guy, but, sure. <laughs> but I love recording. It's like, I love yeah. collaborating with people and writing parts. So yeah. So in a lot of ways, Borderland was kind of my first, like, I think shot to be on a record and, uh, you know, kind of like prove that I could do it a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you, what's your favorite song? I'm assuming you're going to pick the one, one of the ones you played bass on. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily. I think my favorite, maybe because we never play it ever, is I think Silver Shore is one of the most beautiful songs. Oh yeah, it's a great song. And uh, we we did the outro of it as like a tag before to end the show, but we've never played the song. Um, wow. Yeah, live. It'd, be, it'd probably be either that one or Mar- Monsters Talk. Yeah, um, it's a great song. Those, those are my two faves. That's awesome. Uh, I think the Silver Shore, like kind of bridge chorus, whatever the big sing along part. I think that's mm-hmm. one of he's ever written. Yeah, he's such a good great. songwriter. He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so how was the touring after that record? Was bonkers? Yeah, dude, we hit it so hard. It was awesome uh, to me. We were doing it in van and trailer. Because um, yeah, like said, it was our hardcore. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. It was kind of like a rebuilding time for him uh, in a way. So I think a lot of, they didn't really know what kind of venues to book, you know, Um they didn't know what kind of crowds were going to come out. Like, so it, it was, um, it was really brutal tour in the sense. I mean, we just played a ton of shows, but all van and trailer, um, you know, we, we were constantly like getting to crappy hotels at 2 AM. Mm. And I was thinking about this the other day <laughs> with all the technological advances, somehow hotel lobby computers have not changed since like 1970. <laughs> Because it takes, I swear, it takes them like two hours to check you in every time. Unbelievable. And, and so we'd just be sitting there like, all right, we have to be on the road by 6 a.m. to make it to the next load in on time. What's the point? 
we're just counting down the hours of like if I lay down right now, I can get two hours of sleep. And this guy's just like click, 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 you know, on the computer and kind of murdered him. <laughs> like, but then you're also like, well, there's a good chance I'm gonna get murdered at this hotel tonight anyway. Just look at her. <laughs> so it was a lot of a lot of driving, not much sleeping. Um, but the shows were awesome. Like yeah. uh, the the crowd was like everybody was really into the new songs. Um they were really, I mean, I think the, the lineup we had for that tour, um, the musicians were like, we were just a really good band. Like, yeah. I feel like hey, we were gigging a lot, but we practiced a lot. Like, so I feel like we just all were like really stoked to be out and it was really good energy on stage. Yeah. Like, you know, not just like in the sense like running around and jumping up and down, but just like we were like really stoked to be there. Yeah. You know? Just all and in the zone. Came across to the crowd too, you know? And, um, so it was it was a really special tour. Like it was yeah, not much sleep and we were we hit it really hard. Um but uh yeah, it was such great shows. And, and we did like Brazil on that tour cycle like twice, I think. That's uh, nuts. Yeah, we did uh we did some UK, we did Ireland. Um oh yeah, I think that was all the international stuff into that. We did a little bit of Canada, but we did the whole country like twice on that tour cycle, I think. Jeez. <laughs> did you see the Did you see the crowds getting bigger as you went, or? Yeah, uh, definitely, and um, and you know, I think back then it's changed a lot, uh, but we'll get to that, I guess. But um, I think then it was still a lot of the remnants of people that literally only knew how he loves. Oh know, yeah, coming out and like, or maybe like some churches would book us, and they would just think it would be this like chill, you know singer songwriter worship night and we would just play that song over and over i don't know what they expected but we, <laughs> you know we came in like a bunch of pirates in this like beat up like trailer and van <laughs> and, like, put on a rock show and uh, you know we, but we played those songs still like people got what they wanted but um i think we definitely did some venues where the rest of the set people were like what is this you know? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but no you could definitely see the the, the crowds were Crowds were growing, and we were sprinkling in more clubs and bars and stuff. Yeah, as much as we could, and um, and those shows were always were going really well too. And and we were starting. I think that's when we were starting to really see, like, you know, some cats were comfortable seeing us at a bar, and some cats were comfortable seeing us at a club, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe not. Some were maybe not gonna overlap. <laughs> yeah. So we we're starting to realize the importance of maybe doing both or. Um, or more kind of like theaters and stuff like that too. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, every day was kind of like, we had no idea what kind of venue we were going to show up to. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. Um, so how long was, you said you toured twice around the U S like how long was that tour? Um, we would break it up into like three or four week chunks. Um, and at one point we even made it all the way out West and did California. And we had a, uh, we knew some friends that let us leave our van with them and it was secure and we flew back home for like two weeks for a break and flew back and started it and did the rest. So, awesome. um, yeah, I don't know. I would say we for like two years, we were probably doing like 80 shows a year, um, on that. And then, you know, some, some fly dates kind of. Sure. And sure. So you see, yeah, it felt, uh, it felt like we just did, we played literally everywhere. Um, huh. And then towards the end of that is when we did the live at the night. Yeah, um, that was an awesome night. That was so cool. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Uh, it was. Uh, I remember being so nervous because I'm like, well, I have to play perfectly, 
but also they're filming it. So I got to try to look cool and put on a good show. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd never done both, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I remember being so nervous, but it, um, yeah, I feel like it went like really yeah. well. It sounds yeah. incredible. looked incredible. It was awesome. It was like, yeah, I was stoked, man. Just all over. Like, I think Edwardson crushed it. Like, I think, yeah, dude, it, you guys, it was just, a, it was a powerful night to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too, man. It just, Feel like good vibes. So like, it felt like kind of a punctuation mark on the Borderland tour cycle too. So it kind of felt like a party to us. Like, you know, yes. like a great way to end like a bad couple of years. You know. <laughs> yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So after, uh, after that tour cycle ends, how how long until you start working on Mercury and Lightning? I, I, is there a gap at all, or is it just kind of uh, um, business as usual? Or pretty quickly. Um, I think he started um, – so he decided he wanted to do it out in Portland with Gabe Wilson. Okay. Um, producer. Um, had this rad studio downtown um, Vancouver, Washington, which is right across the bridge from Portland. Rad little town. Cool studio with these apartments above it that the bands can stay in. And um, uh, so he has kind of his, like, partner there, uh, business partner man – our studio partner, who knows? Uh, but he, um, his name's Aaron Nodding. He's like this mad scientist where like he can fix anything. And yeah, so Aaron, what, Aaron who? Naughty, K N O T. Oh, I yeah. thought you said that. Oh, Aaron <laughs> Naughty. <laughs> <laughs> I know that really. His other, the other spelling of the name should be his like Instagram handle. Um, <laughs> anyway, but, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he, um, he would find he finds all this incredible vintage gear and for like nothing because it's broken. Yeah, is it? And so this studio just has like, like the kind of Mike Sinatra used and like just That's all cool. this old sexy gear. It's amazing. That's awesome. And, um, so him and John Mark get to talking about doing the record, and they um, just, he decides to do it out there. So it's a long process because of flying back and forth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so he uh, he starts it. I feel like pretty shortly after the live album, but um. You know, going out and doing demos. Then they would email stuff back and forth, but he really needed to be there for a lot of it. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I got to go out to Portland for, like, two weeks to do um, base stuff for it, and it was a blast. We would just do 9 to 5 in the studio every day and then go hang out in Portland at night. That's cool. Um, and, uh, see, so yeah, it, it took a long time to make the record, I think, because of the uh, geography involved. I bet. Uh, but by the next year, we're um, it's getting close to being done, and we're about to go out and open for Need to Breathe for like two and a half months, um, which was like a freaking blast. It was such a great tour. Um, Absolutely. So he puts out um, Wilder Love, the first single, um, right before that tour, so we kind of have something new. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was 2016, right? I think it's on my... I think so. Yeah, about that. Yeah, 2016. I have, I have it framed. <laughs> That's the, the nice. <laughs> I forgot you guys were on that tour. That's awesome. Yeah. It was I played here, but you guys weren't on that date. I don't think so. Yeah, we, um, we didn't do the Florida leg um, for whatever reason. I think maybe because we'd already done almost three months, and it was going to be like a month off and then another one, and John Mark's like, I can't do it. Yeah, I don't blame him. And I get it. He's You know, he's got kids. Um, but, uh... It was so fun, though. It felt like summer camp every night, just like, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
so yeah, we put out Water Love was the first single off that. And I think later that I want to say later 2016, we put out No Country off of that album mm -hmm. and maybe Enemy Love. But I don't think the full thing came out until 2017. Um, and then we started touring it that spring. So it was almost, I think from start to finish, almost two years. Wow. Seems, you know, or at least a year and a, a big year and a half. What, uh, were, what, what were your thoughts on that record? And since this is the first one you fully like kind of got to immerse yourself in playing wise, like what was what were your thoughts? I, I thought it was awesome. I, I was, I mean, you know, I got this, the scratch tracks to some of them. And I do remember being very confused by like, Wilder Love, I'm like, what the heck song is this? Like, what is this song about? Like, I got a very bare bones demo from him, uh, which he doesn't always do for every song. But I guess if he has it, he'll send it to me. I, you know, I like to come up with some ideas. So I love to have something if I can. And um, so I got Wilder Love scratch track. And I'm like, I don't know how this song's gonna go. <laughs> yeah, but it ended up being, uh, you know, amazing. It's one of his like most streamed songs. Um, and once it started to come together, I got it. Sure. But I think uh, I was a little. I think with the demos I got ahead of time, I wasn't sure sonically totally where it was gonna go. But then he started referencing more. Um, lots of references for the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm going into it and like 80s Bowie and um, like just a lot of cool Bobby stuff he's listening to at the time. And so I kind of like could get my head around the bass. Like absolutely. Maybe. I can see that now that you say that. Like, yeah. Totally. Um, especially this one song, I think he's going to put it out soon, but there was one that didn't make the record that is just like this funky groovy throwdown. <laughs> <laughs> I think we realized, like, ah, oh, this doesn't really fit the album, but it's like, yeah, but it's cool. Yeah. So I, I put that out soon as a, just a, hey, this was leftover. Um, yeah. But that was really cool. Uh, so with this one, and it's been kind of how he's done it since, for the most part, we started a lot of these songs just with drums. Wow. And, um, with, like, his vocal melodies. So he had, some of them he had some words and some of them not yeah. um, finished. And so there was a couple of them where it was literally just like his scratch vocal and drums. And I was like, well, what, uh, like, what progression are you thinking? They're like, well, I don't know. What do you think? And like, you know, like, so I had, it was kind of a, it was super nerve wracking because <laughs> it was yeah. like, but it was also like, oh, I could do anything on the song, but also like, oh God, I could do anything on this. Like, what do I yeah. do? <laughs> so we definitely lean more into like, for the most part on, um, Mercury, it's a lot of just like cool driving, like pick bass. They had this, gave the producer, man, his uncle had this like 56 or 57 P bass that um, Fender and uh, that he had found right before I flew in. And uh, he, he was renting his uncle's house and found it in the closet. And they're like, oh my God. And so I got to play that on the whole record, which was like, crazy you know it's awesome. like a thousand dollar instrument <laughs> you know that's cool and, and i flew out there with like three bases and kind of abcd them with it and i was like yeah. oh, they all sound like crap compared to this thing <laughs> that's awesome though that's cool yeah oh yeah it was super cool so um yeah i feel like I, for the most part on the album is pretty like i think the bass is kind of just holding down the fort um there's some cool stuff here and there but it's a lot of just kind of driving it and uh was kind of the foundation for them to build the other stuff on. Um, which, you know, uh, to me, like 
you know, when, whenever you're recording or writing a song, it's always like, what does the song need? And Mike, who's like my hero, he, um, he always says, when you see a bathroom, you notice the tile, but you don't always notice the grout, but the grout's holding everything together. And he's like, that, wow. Like the bass is like the crowd. <laughs> He's like, we look good making everybody else look good. And that was kind of my thought with this record. It's more like, um, with a few exceptions of some kind of shinier moments, it's like, like no country. I'm just like, just mm. uh, palm muted, driving it the whole time. Uh, kind of say with Mercury, or, um, uh, Wilder Love. Um, so I feel like with this record, the bass is really the grout on it. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And a lot of the other, lots of cool synth synth stuff that um like random instruments like a gojing that like chinese instrument that he plays on it a lot yeah kind of were more of the stars of the show i think on this record um but that being said there's some of my favorite songs to play live because i just love good simple driving bass so yeah yeah it was a it was a you know from i when i first heard it i was like whoa this is like a different world and like and i mean that in the best way possible yeah. I remember we were pressing the record at uh, Vinyl Record Pressing in oh, right, right. Jacksonville. And so I got to hear it a lot before it came out. And I was like, <laughs> this is, it's one of those records that just grows on you as you, uh, the more you hear it. It's like, I think so too, man. It's, it's so good. I think with the song Enemy Love, which is, I think, the kind of the fan favorite off of it, I based that off when we go into that song live, we get a really loud response, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Probably more than any other song off that album when we do it live. And, to me, that song at first listen, I was like, "Yeah, it's really pretty. It's a cool song." But the more you hear it, the more it's like, "Man, this is like, yeah, really good song." <laughs> I would agree with that. I think that whole record's that way. It's just yeah. like you, you, you're. I think your ears or your mind's trained to one thing, and then when you hear something different, it's like, "I don't know, is this supposed to be like this?" And then it's one of those things where later on, you're like, "Yeah, that is supposed to be like this." Like I just didn't catch up to it till you know till now or whenever you know. Yeah. But, and um. Yeah, that was, uh, I think, and I think the album's been that way. I think it came out to some good, to really good response, but I think yeah. it's kind of gained momentum in that sense. Um, I, I think it, it, it's not a, I think it's a multiple listen kind of album. You totally. Know? I agree with I, that. I think Nothing Stands Between Us, uh, the last track on it, I, again, I think it's one of his best songs. Um, Great song. Yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah, we... Uh, we, we lost our good friend and keyboard player recently, uh, Larry, and um, he re- he wanted almost every band he'd ever been in to play at his funeral, mm. like all day hit music. And I only laughed because I ended up I was in almost all of those bands because he was in public radio. Also, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of I was like, Larry, you're gonna make me have to learn like a hundred songs. You know, and it was really beautiful, heavy day, but. Would John Mark he requested that we do nothing stands between us because um, that was his favorite, and I feel like we have a. It's really hard for us to play it now, because uh, we st- we we kind of like sprinkle it in the set occasionally. But like, I think now more than ever, it's like anytime I hear it, it's just like I try to like ugly cry the whole time. <laughs> Dude, that's that's like, intense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was it's it's such a great song, but it's like yeah, it's uh it's, it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, touring wise on that, how did that go? How were the shows for that? I mean, did you feel like they were bigger than Borderland or do you think they're like it's just that, that was that was a special time. That was um, uh, my first time ever touring on a bus. 
Oh yeah. Now you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to, uh, we got to do bus tours, uh, on this album cycle. And I was like, I never thought I would ever get to do that. Uh, and I was like, whatever, I'm a van guy, you know, I'm <laughs> But like, oh, you can walk around and make yourself a sandwich, and we got a yep. fridge beer. <laughs> like, it's like this is the best thing ever. <laughs> I the best sleep I get in my life is on a bunk in a tour bus in the little the little casket time machine, and you wake up oh, at yeah. the venue, and um, but you know you stay up all night talking because we we all happen to be very good friends in the band. So yeah, it's great, man. I. Uh, I loved it so much. Uh, that, but the, the shows were getting really big, and we brought out like uh, we brought out a lighting guy for the first time. Oh, nice! Like rented like a really rad lighting setup, and um, so the shows all looked really freaking good too. Uh, I think it was the first time it felt like a it felt like the most professional tour because we're, sure. we're like, like a scrappy band, and we make we'll have some cool lights on stage and I'll have a switch by my pedal board. I can kick them on or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and so having like blackouts in between songs and like, then the whole stage just goes to pink when we go into enemy love or, That's you know, awesome. man, it was so cool. Um, so it, it was, that was one of my favorite touring times for sure. I say that about all of them. They all had their pros and cons, but, um, sure. That one just felt like good times, man. <laughs> it was just like mostly clubs. Um, yeah, really, we had a good stage set up in the, the set. I think we had got a lot more, like, interesting songs out of the Mercury sessions to where I feel like we are building, like, a really good set list, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, I would say that was around the time it was less of the worship songs in the set um, and more just, like, worship in the corporate sing-along sense, you know? Sure. Because uh, that's a whole other conversation, but I think worship is music in general. Um, but... Uh, I think he was doing more of his songs that were, you know, uh, not sing-alongs. And, yeah. uh, and people were, like, really into it. That's when we started to see it change a lot, too, with the crowd. It was, like, a lot of, like, yeah, just, like, really cool people that were, like, just really tracking what we're doing. They weren't, like, just saying. They were just into it for the music, man. They just were into it. Calling out for how he loves their skeleton bones after every song, you know? <laughs> they were there to get old. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, but they were there to like see whatever we were gonna do, you know, and it felt really cool. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So it was. Those were we we toured really hard on that record, too. And that's, I think that album cycle we did Australia. Um, Good God, that's awesome. And, um, we did Europe again or um UK. Um, and yeah, we did we just did the whole US like super hard, and yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Sweet dude. Yeah. What's your favorite song on that record? Um, man, probably, um, probably Unhaunted, um, or, uh, oh, no, No Country is probably my favorite. Yeah. It's just, like, such a badass, like, spring stingy kind of song. Yeah. You know? And, uh, it was really cool recording it. I think it would have been a bigger song for him had it not come out during the... Uh, one of the most device, divisive elections ever. Yeah, yeah. Because whoever won, because it's not about it, it's not about a politician at all. It's about refugees. Uh, literally, I have no place to call my country. You know, it's about. Yeah. And this story he had heard about this cat in the Middle East um, kind of inspired it. And uh, so I think it's this really beautiful song about like losing everything and 
trying to find some hope. Yeah. And immediately everybody's like, uh, you know, when Trump won, everyone's like, oh, so you're just, you write this song because Trump won the election, you know, but if Hillary would have won it, it would have been the same thing. And it's like, no, it's not about American politics at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also because of that, a lot of people that didn't like Trump thought it was about him and they loved it for that reason. (laughs) People thought it's like, man, I put it on my playlist of like protest songs. It's so great. Oh, that's cool. It's not really what it's about either, but sure. You know, (laughs) that's hysterical. My gosh. So, so yeah, he happened to already have that like written plan to come out. And then it's like, Oh, you know, uh, we're the most divided the country's been in a long time and it drops. And so everybody had an opinion on it. Good, so, that's hilarious. I know. I think so. But I, I love that song so much. I think yeah, it's, it's a uh, great song. Yeah. It's super, super badass. That's sick. Cool, man. Um, so that tour cycle ends, uh, things are going obviously pretty well. Um, next record peopled with dreams, you know, kind of let's talk about that record and kind of yeah. how that materialized and how long, and then kind of your thoughts on, on that record as well. Yeah. Um, trying to get all the timeline right in my head. Cause it all kind of starts to blur Blurs. together. So yeah. Um, I played pretty shortly after, um, you know, we, we toured hard with that. And then with, um, Mercury, I don't think we did another live thing around then unless I'm blanking on something. So, um, we started working on people with dreams at, Oh, so John Mark built a studio in his basement for this one. Um, cause he had just realized like going back and forth to Portland wasn't going to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it just took so long. Um, he, in that time moved into a new house and, um, they started building a studio in the basement and it's rad. And, um, yeah, I think I've been there for, I think we had like a, a pre-party or whatever for the night. I think it was, yeah. it was a pool, right? Or for yeah. The pool. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so he he gets this rad studio in his basement, and um, where we do people with dreams there. And um, I feel like once it got started, once he kind of got the songs down, or, like the basic ideas for him, I feel like it started to move really quick because he was so used to a studio being three hours away or on the other side of the country, just being able to make your coffee and go downstairs every day. Mm. You know, it was really great. And um, Jacob early engineered and kind of co-produced it with John Mark and um he's awesome and he's a whiz with comps and edits so like it was things were just going so fast it was great Jacob Arnold uh Jacob early oh early okay yeah he used to work with um uh Elijah who did the uh book. oh yeah, yeah. I, I I know that name yeah yeah so he's a student of uh Elijah but he's yeah he's a producer man in Charlotte and he's amazing um and uh so he he kind of was turning knobs for that one and um, had a lot of great ideas too. So it was fun. It was just like John Mark lives 10 minutes for me. So it was super easy to just go over his house and that's awesome. Stuff out. And, um, uh, that was, um, man, that I'm, I'm trying to get it all wrapped together. Does that, that came out, um, because I remember we had the tour ready to go before COVID. So it would have been 2020, probably. Yeah. So, um, but when did the when did the full record was it that was the album out before COVID? 
Uh, maybe it did. It says it came out. It, it says it comes out. Came out in twenty twenty. So it, maybe it came out right before. Maybe or maybe it's just some of the singles that already come out. Well, because I remember I got I tested positive at one point and I had to cancel a session with him for it. But I'm wondering if that was just some singles instead. So anyway, sorry, I'm thinking out loud. No, you're uh, good. But no, it was really cool. For this one, a lot of the influence was um, me and John Hart love dub reggae and um, like Lee Scratch Perry and a lot of the deep cut like dub cats. And I think we were going into, we went into this record very much uh, thinking about that stuff. And um, so uh, All Things New is a big product of that, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's like a very reggae kind of tune. Um, I want to pull up and see all the track lists because I feel like there might be a cool one I'm not thinking of. Um, but yeah, it was there was another one where um, we started it um, with drums and bass. Um, but I, I think unlike um, Mercury, um, we wanted the bass to be like a little more featured and hooky yeah. on this one. Yeah, well, I can see that for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so there's um oh yeah, okay. Yeah, there there's a lot of really groovy songs uh and hooky bass songs on this record. And um so it was cool again to have all that space. Yeah. Um but also the pressure of it, but um yeah, it was uh Leo Solis did some of the bass on this one as well. Love Leo. Yeah, yeah, Leo's the best. And so me and him kind of split duty on this. I think um because Leo did a lot of the keys and stuff, so he was kind of already there. They're like, oh, why don't you try, uh, let's lay down some bass on this. So he did a couple of them. I think he did Christ Jesus. And um, I think for Juggernaut, they had some of my takes and some of his takes, and they kind of put them together. Mishmash. Um, but yeah, it was really fun record to do, man. Um, again, it was, uh, we got this new studio in the basement, and the song. I thought the songs were really strong, even from demo form. Yeah, there wasn't any like, man, was he thinking with this one or anything like that? I'm like, man, these songs are great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun way to do it. To, uh, um, you know, like we really wanted the bass to shine on these, you know, in that kind of reggae kind of way, but without not necessarily reggae bass lines, but like that's the first thing you hear with a lot of those tunes. Yeah, you know? I agree. So I think that was kind of our anchor point. A lot was looking back at that, you know, like. Um, and I love how they mixed it up. Like the bass is like super in your face. And I think this is one of the first records I ever played on. Um, up to this point, my band's included where I felt like it felt like me on the recording. Wow. That's awesome. And for some albums, that's the mixer's fault because they buried the bass or they, I played really bright, you know, like really bright strings, uh, really aggressively. And, some cats will just still like mix all that out. And it just sounds like mud and you can't hear it in the mix. And um, I think all the job records I played on, it sounded good, but there's also the factor of me being comfortable enough to really play like me in the studio not being nervous, you know? Yeah. And to me, this record is one of the first times where I'm like, I think that sounds like, that sounds like how I play bass. It actually made it on the record. Uh, I didn't get bogged down in my brain. The mixer didn't, mix all my personality out of it <laughs> that's awesome though that's cool. yeah so, um there's a few tunes on this where i'm yeah i really really feel like it sounds like me uh and uh, i was really really stoked on that you know 
That's awesome. It's definitely a, a departure record, even more so than, you know, Mercury. I, I I think it's a great record. I just again, it was one of those where I was like, whoa, this is out of left field, but in in a good way. Like, yeah, it's I mean, just, it, it was really yeah, really cool, really cool process. It's very keys heavy. It's um. You know, it's a uh, very basic, like piano and like synth heavy. <laughs> yeah, know, like the main instruments, which you know, a lot of people are into John Mark because they're like big guitar guys and they love economy. And so I think, you know, this was like two or three albums in a row where they're like, like, ah, where's my? <laughs> Do I like John Mark? Yeah, where's my shred? <laughs> uh, there's some great guitar moments on it too, but it's definitely. I think this is a bass player album for sure. You know, <laughs> dude. Um, I think. This record, I don't. It's just such a, yeah. It's not what what you would expect, but it's such a brilliant record. Like I just, I, I love that, that hearing that you are like, you know, got to put shine on it. I think it's yeah. that's so cool, dude. That's man, what a. I, it's just cool to see the progression over the years, you know, and and you 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 being able to put your your uh, finger on on part of it. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, you know, and then. So we had the record in the can. I'm, again, I'm blanking on like the month it came out, but anyway, we were getting ready for the tour, and um, day five of a five day rehearsal. So we got everything down: the lighting, the transitions, the set list. We find out uh, the whole country is shut down. Oh my! Tour is canceled, and um, you know we're just all like heartbroken, you know, and also like. It was early into the whole thing. We're all we don't know what the heck's going on. Like, like guys, it's just it's gonna get pushed back a month, and then we'll get to hit the road. You know, that's the yeah. stuff the managers are saying. Like, worst case, we'll do it in the fall. And I remember going to my friend's bar uh, right from there, just because I'm like, man, like, dude, I just had like a two month tour get canceled. Can I pick up a shift here? You know, because like I can't play music right now. And he's like, dude, absolutely, we got you. And then the next day I go into like Barton and they're like, dude, all the bars are shut down. <laughs> and I was like, oh. unbelievable. So I feel like um, I'm really sad that the people with dreams tour didn't get to happen for a lot of reasons, but by the time we could tour again, he had put out some new music and yeah. Um, you know, I think the only time you can really tour an album and play a set list that's primarily features it is right when it drops. That's when everybody just bought it. They're stoked on it. Yep. They haven't heard it yet. And they're coming to hear it. Um, that's your time to like really push and showcase an album. And we, we lost that opportunity. Yeah. Cool. And I think it would have maybe, I think the record's done well, but I think it would have done even better if people could see like, Oh, absolutely. Live. Cause there's so many songs that album we've never, um, we were going to play on that tour, but we never got to play live. Like, um, Christ Jesus and uh, Unbroken Horses, Hammering Heart. We we had all those ready to go on the set, but like we couldn't make room for them in the set with the new tour. So yeah, I hate that we never got to do that tour justice. And um, you know, and Brother Lair was gonna be on that one too. And it was so it's such a fun time, like getting it all ready to go. And you know, those are hard songs on that record too. We like we worked really hard. I bet. <laughs> so you know. Obviously, anybody can complain about a bajillion things going on with COVID, but uh, like, but yeah, I hate that that album tour cycle didn't get to happen because um, I think it was I, I I do I think it's a really great album, and uh, I hope I hope people still you know 
people still check it out. But yeah, man, absolutely. If you have, you should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You heard it here first. <laughs> so, so stupid. Then from there, I mean, you know, we were stuck. Um, we're obviously stuck at home, so John Mark just started writing. Yeah. For the next one, and um, and that turned into um, a series of singles and an EP that's come out. Um, yeah. And we put out the stable sessions, which was the last show we played before COVID was in London. And uh, we recorded that. That's so cool. So I had a couple of those tunes on it, which was cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I think even more so, so the EP that followed it up um, with uh, Roaring Thunder and Reenchanted World, um, mm-hmm. all those songs, I think even more so than the last record, it felt like bass was featured even more. <laughs> it's so, over, bro. Yeah, so it was really cool. So I think, what I said about it sounded like me on a record with people. And I think the new, that newest DP, it's like kind of double yeah. down. And, um, so yeah, I'm really grateful to play with an artist that like, get, cause I, I can play bass. However, I can, um, I can hold down the fort and play simple stuff and do what the song needs. But I love getting to play with someone that lets me be weird and experimental and, totally. prefer, you know, even like, I think if, at this point in his career, he doesn't want, some guy just to come in and just groove on the root notes. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's really shaped me as a bass player, having that freedom with someone. uh, And so, yeah, it's been, um, it's been really cool. And I'm really stoked for the new batch of stuff too. Um, I got to hear some of the ideas he's working on. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's cool to get to play with someone that like really encourages you to be play out of the box, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's cool. Cause it seems like you guys are on the same, um, you know, level in, in terms of just creativity, which is awesome. And, it, it, you know, it, it helps you both, you know? Right. Absolutely. Sick, dude. Sweet. So uh, in this time frame, you started a record label for yeah. Finger Records. So tell me kind of how that happened and maybe what's going on with that label right now. Yeah. So it kind of started somewhat comedically. Um, it was me and my, um, serial collaborator leo solis so he's in a great band with his wife called solis um and they're kind of like electro pop um she's got this incredible voice kind of portis heady radio heady um music um and then i was just starting a band at the time called the rainiers with some friends it's kind of alt country and you know we we put together like a night or two at a local venue with some other friends and, um, you know, even with us being around for so long, it was feeling like it was kind of hard to book shows sometimes. And, um, we're like, well, let's come up with a fake record label name and, uh, it'll make it sound like we're maybe doing better than we are. <laughs> or maybe it'll, maybe a booking agent's more likely to open an email from Four Finger Records than from Jeremy Smith. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I was right. <laughs> first of all, <laughs> I bet, I bet you were. But um, but then we started thinking, it's like, you know, Leo's a producer and he's got a studio and I've been doing DIY bands since I was a kid. Like, so I know how to print merch and book shows and print flyers and where to hang them up. And um, so we're like, well, let's do it for real. And uh, let's make some cool merch. And um, uh, we had some friends just starting bands and they were all kind of younger uh, this band, the Will and Fortune Teller, and um, we uh, we hit him up like, "Hey, you want to be on this label we're starting?" You know, and uh, 
we started doing like four finger record showcases at local clubs here. And, uh, it would just be our friends bands. Like, cause the way we started thinking about it was, um, you know, discord records out of DC, which was yeah. Fugazi. Yeah, um, their whole thing is we're documenting the DC music scene. They only work with bands from DC that are involved in the scene there. And, um, we're like, well, let's, let's kind of take that approach to it. And like Charlotte really, truly has a great music scene. Absolutely. Um, and I think it would be hard pressed for us to document all of it, but we're like, maybe we can document our little corner of it, our little friend group. And, um, and so that's kind of been like the thought behind it is like, we put out compilation tapes, uh, every few years. Uh, we throw a lot of shows. We've done a compilation seven inch with a bunch of bands. Um, but, you know, COVID slowed it down a lot because a big thing of what we do is, um, like, throwing events and shows. Yeah. Um, thankfully, you know, in the last year or so, it's kind of lived back to life, and um, we're getting to do that again. Um, but, yeah, it kind of all started as a, uh, kind of a joke, but it turned that. out. I don't know, there, we got, like, seven or eight projects on it now. And then if any of the bands, if any of the members from those bands start, like, a side project, they're immediately on it, too. That's and, awesome. You know, and the hope is like, oh, maybe somebody likes Solis, maybe they'll check out Fortune Teller or vice versa, and we can all promote. It's all just like a community thing, like let's all promote each other, you know, let's right. all bring each other up. And um, and the response in the scene has been awesome. Like, the shows are always packed, like the merch always sells out, the tapes sell out. So um, I think especially because it is very like, like just Charlotte, um, I think people kind of maybe perk their ears up a little more. At yeah. The, you know? Well, I love the logo. I think the logo is so badass. Yeah, yeah Bridget Connell. Um, she's a. Uh, I've known her for a long time, but she's a comic book artist. Um, she's done a lot of stuff for like. I think she's currently working on uh, a comic that's in like the Hellboy universe. Oh wow. Uh, that's for cool. Dark Horse, but she's done stuff for Marvel, and um, yeah, she's really great. So she, she did the logo for us. It's just perfect. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it's totally you guys. <laughs> For sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, what you got any um, any uh, bands or uh, records coming out soon at all? Or yeah, um, the most recent was Thousand um, Dollar Movie. Sure, um, we were talking about that. It's just yeah, and um, but um, our, our good friend Siege Hardy, um, who we've known, um, this Jordan Hardy's little brother. So you oh, him. okay. Um, he was in that band Matrimony with those guys. Yeah. Um, the follow up to it, Bash. Um, but he's been in band since he was like 12, you know, he's in his like probably late twenties now, but, um, amazing songwriter. So he's working on his first solo album. Cool. And, um, he's got two singles out for it already and they're so good. And he's been finally put a band together and they're gigging around and the shows are going killer. So they're, his full length is coming out next. Um, and we're really excited about that. That's really awesome. Um, a couple of months ago, Gene Moses put out his new album and, um, and we did it with Fourfinger, um, just helping him try to get some ears on it, you know. It's great. Um, so, yeah, and then Solis is busy working on their uh, new album. Um, so, yeah, Siege and Solis are probably up next. And okay. Both very exciting projects. That's cool, dude. Yeah. I love that. I'm so stoked for you. Thanks, man. Um, it's been a real joy, especially, like, helping out younger cats. and like, Oh, absolutely. How you book shows. Uh, this is how you settle up at the end of the night. Don't let them. I love that. That's so like, cool. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy it a lot. Cause I, I wish I had somebody doing that for me when I was twenty. You exactly. Know? And so I just try to be that guy for them, you know. 
That's awesome, man. Well, let's talk about Thousand Dollar Movie. Yeah. Uh, like you just mentioned, love it. So badass. Such a great band. Such a great EP. So let's talk about how that kind of started. Yeah. And um, and the new EP and, and kind of your thoughts on that. And then we'll we'll uh, close up. Well, yeah. Um, much like Four Finger, it started somewhat comedically. Uh, I have a joke. If you want someone to um, if you want someone to leave town, have them start a band with me. Because <laughs> every time I get a band with some momentum, somebody moves, uh, and it's somebody I don't want to replace usually. And, uh, and so, because um, I was in a punk band called Bad Talk for a while, the singer moves to Myrtle Beach, and then then Aww. I moved to so I can't blame him completely. Um, but uh, I, jokingly, if he listens to this, I love you. Uh, but <laughs> within the rain years, like everybody started getting busy and getting married and uh, moving, and um, and I was like, I love instrumental music. You know, you recently had Jonathan from Nunwood Sailor on. They're one of my all-time favorite bands. Amazing. Um, so me and Jesse Proctor, who... Um, oh, yeah, I know, I know Jesse. You know, Proc, yeah, so he worked yeah. for John Mark through most of... Until um, probably a year or two ago. Um, we started sending ideas back and forth for some bass riffs I had. And um, he sent me some drum tracks, and I would just write to him. It was just kind of like, a let's see what happens. And that was kind of the beginning of Thousand Dollar Movie, because it was writing a lot of that kind of unwed sailor-esque kind of bass chord stuff and mm -hmm. um he was thinking about maybe trying to use it for licensing but we kind of kept getting weirder and weirder with it and he's like hey i love this stuff i don't think it's gonna work for licensing or publishing and i was like well that's fine i love these songs so i want to put a band together and play them live and my thought was yeah i'll do this because then i don't have to rely on a singer first mm -hmm. of all <laughs> um because I can write lyrics and melodies, but I can't sing for crap. Sure, sure. Um, so the idea of an instrumental band was really appealing to me. Uh, but then also, I wanted to have a band that could be as active as I want to be. So I felt like with this one, if my A squad guys couldn't do a show, and it was a show I really wanted to do, I could, there's so many great musicians in Charlotte, I could have a bench to pull from. That's cool. You know? And um, like, for example, when what Sailor came through last year and none of my all my guys were gone. And so I, you know, hit up a drummer and a guitar player that I've never played with us before. And they killed it. And it was a great show. That's sick. It's a little work to get them up, everybody up to speed because the songs aren't that easy. But still, it kind of I wanted something to where if everybody moved and had 13 kids, I could still have a band and not to that's, start. It again. That's smart. That's very yeah. smart. So that was kind of where it started. Um and we put out a series of singles, and our first show was December 2019. Um, and I was super nervous because I'm like, man, we're an instrumental band that would like mostly bass driven. Who's going to be into this? Why am I booking a show? No one's going to come to this. You know, <laughs> I was so nervous. Uh, but it went great. And honestly, maybe other than public radio, it's been the most successful in the local scene as far as like turnout wise goes of any project I've ever done. That's awesome. And I don't say that in a bragging way. I say it. Uh, I'm shocked. Way <laughs> like I would yeah. like Rainiers was all these sing along country songs. I would have thought that would have done better than this, you know. Um, but people are. We have a really open minded scene here, and I think people like the experimental stuff maybe a little more. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, the we've been playing all around Carolina since 2019, and um, uh, the shows go awesome. It's thousand dollar movie live is one of my favorite things I've ever done. It's like 
So you guys fun. should come down here. I'll be, yeah. help you book a show. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I, I met this cat in Orlando that wanted to bring us down too. So I'm like, man, we could do a little Florida run. That would be yeah. So I'll know. be in touch. I'd love to do it. Um, like sometime this year. Um, but yeah, um, it's been, yeah, it's been going great. Um, so we we did a, a bunch of singles, and then I really wanted to do. I had an idea for "Give Me a Year," which is the new album, and um, I really wanted to like rent a studio and make it this cohesive thing and not just email the songs back and forth. No, no wrong with that. I'm happy with how the songs turned out that we did that way. Mm-hmm. But we got to where we have such good energy live. I, oh, I really wanted to capture that on a record. And um, I don't think you can do that outside of playing all together. So we, we cut it all live on the floor, uh, minimal overdubs. Um, not all the songs are even on a click, so that way it's almost impossible to overdub. <laughs> so, um, That's awesome. And um, we did a Kickstarter for it, and it went really well. I was blown away um, by the support for it. And so, yeah, we got to rent a rad studio for a couple days, and I got to pay the boys for their time. And um, uh, I went in. So Mike Watt was telling me about his first solo album, how he went in with this idea that if the bass player knew the songs, the band would be fine, and he would just kind of show them the songs the day mm-hmm. of. And I wanted to kind of go in with that theory too. So with the exception of maybe one or two of the songs, um, we didn't do any pre-pro at all, wow. um, which was really cool. And now it makes it easier that we don't have to cut vocals in the studio. Sure. Um, but still we knocked it all out in two days. Um, and with like a setup day. So, uh, yeah, we cut them all live on the floor, standing in a circle and, um, the boys just killed it. They brought up, so many great ideas and most of them were like on the cuff because I'm just showing them the songs, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that could have made, that could have sabotaged the record (laughs) potentially, but I think it did give it this great in the moment energy, um, that I'm, I'm really, really proud of that. I think it gave something that I really wanted. So yeah, I couldn't be happier with how it turned out. Yeah. Uh, It sounds amazing. I love it. Um, I sent it to a couple of people and they were like, what? who's this? I was like, dude, check it out, bro. And it, and it's a, you know, but I had a story for it. And it's all about kind of a concept album about moving to a new city. Um, like taking a chance on yourself as like a kid. And yeah. And it's my story from what I did when I was 18, you know, I moved to Charlotte and, you know, going from Hartsville to Charlotte, it's like moving to freaking Manhattan, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it was terrifying. And, uh, but I've like grown old here and, uh, you know, and it's, it's home to me and I love it so much. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to travel around the whole world and I choose to live in Charlotte, you yeah, know, Charlotte's Charlotte's the bomb, dude. It really yeah. is. Like I'll, it's just big enough, but, but I mean, the, the music community here is so important to me and, uh, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just always been a really special city to me, but I kind of wanted to maybe have a story like that, that maybe somebody did the same thing, but they moved to Chicago or LA or, yeah. um, it's funny hearing the interpretations uh, actually from people, and I love to hear it, um, especially because most of the songs are named after streets or neighborhoods and CLT. And um, people are like, "Oh, did you write? Um, did you write one more year because you think you can only stay for one more year here?" I'm like, "No, I'm, 
I'm asking for I'm I want I'm asking for one more year. I'm not ready to leave yet. <laughs> like every year, I'm hoping I can pull it off another year. You know, and it's been twenty now, but I'm hoping, you know, I'm not ready to leave yet. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. You guys are playing with Unwed Sailor again soon, right? I thought I saw that. Yeah. Um, it was rad. It worked out last time because um, Public Radio got to play with them in 2006. Actually, that would probably oh, be the, my favorite band we ever got to play with. Um, and, uh, they, um, they were coming through and I think me and Jonathan have kind of become social media homies a little bit. And he mentioned, um, I think he hit me up and asked if I had a club I'd recommend here. And so I recommended Petra's, which is my favorite spot in town. And, um, so yeah, he was kind enough to say like, Oh, if y'all want to play too, jump on. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> Cool, man. He's like being him just we're both big music nerds from like 80s yep. hardcore and punk and um just talking about Mike Watt and the Minutemen a lot. And um so yeah, he hit me up and he's like, I think we're coming back through Charlotte. Um, you know, I think we're gonna do Petra's again, so hit him up and I was like, done deal. So that's sweet, uh, dude. June um uh June third, I believe it's a Saturday. Is that's here in Charlotte. Is yeah. it Chad from Hope's Fall playing too or his Yeah, he's from a band called Yeah. They're badass. He's badass. Yeah. And it's also kind of instrumental post-rock, so it's yeah. going to be a cool night of music. That's really awesome. I mean, I wish it was closer. Jonathan's like, you should come up. I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> I don't want to, but it's like, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Who's to say? It's oh. just far enough. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that is so cool. So tell me, uh, I know we've just talked about a ton of stuff, but uh, what's the future like for you, man? What's uh, what, what's on the horizon? Yeah, Um. I mean, you know, for me, it's always looking, getting ready for the next tour, uh, the next record. Um, you know, in 2019, I did 160, 170 shows. And then in 2020, I did two shows. And um, uh, and so those were my first time. That was my first time taking any time off from the road since I started. And uh, it slowly lit back to life, and it's getting busy. Like, we had a good year last year. Um but stuff's still slow. Lots of artists are kind of figuring out what's next and working on new records. And so yeah, John Mark and Mac are two of my bigger touring artists and they're both working on new albums this year. So, um, not a lot of touring, unfortunately, unless something comes along, I hope so. Um, so the bright side of that is I have plenty of time to work on my projects. So, sure. um, doing a lot of hired gun studio work and then, um, yeah, just trying to promote the thousand dollar movie record as much as possible. I, I really, once I find out for sure what's going on in the fall, I really want to book a fall tour for us and um, maybe just go down, go down 95 and hit the season. Um, so, yeah, what's next for me is, uh, um, yeah, we're going to probably start on the new $1,000 movie soon. And, um, but hopefully just playing shows and uh, playing shows in everybody's town. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. Dude, I've really enjoyed this conversation, man. It's so good to catch up. I love you. You're awesome. Yeah, it's good hangs. Good. It's good to talk to you, man. I really appreciate you having me aboard. Yeah, man. Also, I'll let you know when I uh, post this, but uh, awesome. thanks so much for your time, dude. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good to me. Go. Thank you, the listener, for tuning in to this latest episode. I'd also like to thank Jeremy Smith for his time. An amazing dude, amazing artist. 
so cool to hear these cool stories and his thoughts and perspectives. Uh, really stoked on it. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, super stoked for the future for the podcast as well. Got some amazing artists lined up. Uh, add me on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like. They're at the Rumors Are True Cast. Um, yes, like and subscribe if you like. You know the drill. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Peace.